Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The evidence, God, that we already feel and sense that we already can see with our eyes, I'm asking you, Lord, tonight to not depart from this place too quickly. But I feel, Lord, the Spirit of Abraham that would just say abide with us, abide with us and let something be born, let something be born in us tonight in Jesus' name. You can be seated in the fear of the Lord. I want to speak to you tonight from the subject standing in the storm. As as a pastor, I realize that sometimes we encounter storms as a collective body, as a church. And, uh, and I also realize that many times we encounter storms as individuals or as families. And I know that in some points, that's kind of one and the same, but in other ways it's not. The church can collectively go through trying times and seasons, and certainly we do. And then there are times individuals or families within that same congregation will be going through trying and stressful times. And so with that said, I want to take a little time and just talk about these storms that we face. I know there's many places we could go in Scripture uh, maybe to validate what I'm going to say this evening, but I want to turn our attention to the book of Acts and... uh, to the 27th chapter of the book of Acts. And if you want to just go there, I'll I'll meet you there in a little while. But uh, (laughs) for a couple of Wednesday nights, I think I'm going to just spend some time here in the 27th and the 28th chapter. The book of Acts is a record of the working of the Holy Spirit through the church that was established on the day of Pentecost. It is a record of that the acts of the apostles. I've heard people say, and I have said myself, that if the book of Acts were to be rewritten or if we could add to the book of Acts, we would certainly read names that we are very familiar with, recognizable names. I've also heard people say, and I have said myself again, referring to the early church, that they turned their world upside down. Or by that statement, I think that we know in common that what we mean by that is that they impacted and they influenced the known world at that time. They impacted. They, the church, stirred the world. I think that is fair, and I think that is an accurate statement. However, what concerns me today more than anything else is that I think that as a church, and I'm not just talking about us as a body, but I'm not excluding us from this statement, but 
worried that as a church at large that we are not turning our world upside down and that we are not impacting our world. That's a great concern to me. I know that we want to give ourselves five stars every time, but it's just not true. Sometimes we're not impacting our world. In fact, one writer recently said the opposite may be the case. It seems like the world, if we're not careful, is going to turn the church upside down. I don't think there would be any argument that the modern culture is having in some areas a more direct effect on the church than the church is having on the modern culture. Now, I'm not here to paint your world gray. We're on a journey. But I feel like something somewhere has gone wrong. Now, I'm not going to stand here this evening and discredit the church, and I'm not going to disarm the church by any stretch of the imagination, but I do see some things that concern me, not just here at Hatchman Apostolic Church, but beyond. And I think as a watchman on the wall, as a vantage point, that perhaps God gives insight in a stirring and a troubling I think part of what is wrong, and I'm not here to try to define it all nor to cure it all in one sermon. I'm not that foolish. But I think part of what's wrong is found in the fact that we, the church, have strayed just too far away from some of the basic principles that establish the church. Now, I know some people here tonight probably just ran out to the clothesline and stopped on that statement. Please pull up your tent stakes, would you? And just go with me a little bit further than the clothesline. But there are some principles that were established in the New Testament church that I think if we're not careful, we have strayed too far away from them and those are the things that made us who we are. I remember, uh, I'm not just lifting up man tonight, but I, I just remember a statement that was made Several years ago at Brother Varnum, Brother and Sister Varnum were having an anniversary service. I can't remember what year, but it was a monumental mile mark in their life. And their son, who is now pastoring the church there, made a statement that just kind of forever resonated in my spirit from that moment forth. He said, if you, he said many times that young ministers have asked him and and ask him about his dad and, and, and brother and sister Varnum had been greatly used in the, in the kingdom of God and in the work of God. And, uh, but they have asked, uh, inquiring, so to speak, about what is he doing to be where he is today. And so brother Jason Varnum said, you don't need to ask what he is doing now. <laughs> It's not what he's doing now that has placed him where he is today, but it's what he's been doing all along from the very beginning. And there was a lot of substance in that for me, in my opinion. It's don't just find somebody many, many miles or decades up the journey and ask them, what are you doing today? We gotta go back to where it started. And so if we wanna find what makes the church the church, it is not programs and it's not finesse and it's not even skilled leaders. (laughs) Amen. Because when we peel back the layers of the church, 
the New Testament church, you might not be so impressed with what you find at the helm. But what you did find were men and women that were willing to be used of God. Sometimes I feel like that we spend a lot of time trying to be successful, and we define success, of course, in our own right. But we spend a lot more time trying to be successful and forget that our call is to be Christians, just to be Christ-like. It's not how we sing on Sunday that will make the difference. It's how we act on Monday that will really make the difference. You can sing like a bird on Sunday and cuss like a sailor. Pardon me to the naval crew here. Maybe there's no diesel mechanics here tonight, so I'll say cuss like a diesel mechanic on Monday. And it, and it just levels the ground. I think there's even decent mechanics here. So I'm just lost in the, in the world of illustrations here. But, and so I'm, I am not against desiring to see this church grow numerically. I, I don't want to be, I'm afraid that I'm going to be misunderstood. But while I, I am not, that's not, I'm not against that by any stretch of the imagination, but, but there is nev- that's never been something that's really been the motivator for me if I can just say that from my heart I don't want to stop the church from growing but numbers have never been a motivator for me now I will from time to time ask Sister Jane how many were here on a particular Sunday when I look out and I see people in the aisle and chairs out that's an encouraging thing I don't ever bother to ask her that on some Wednesday nights but I do ask her that every now and then on Sunday but again, that's not an area that, that I've just spent a whole lot of my life and ministry dwelling on. Many years ago, this church, like a lot of other churches, had an attendance board or whatever you call that in the foyer. And back then, my office was located in the foyer. And so going in and out of my office, every service, I could see that board. And I can't tell you how many times. Now, this is a raw confession. Please don't throw it back at me. But I can't tell you how many Sundays that we dismissed and I felt pretty good about that Sunday service until I walked past that board when I, and going into my office and I saw that number that was perhaps lower than it was the week before. And in some weird way, that would just zap all the victory. And I wasn't the only one. I could hear overtones in the, in the foyer. Oh, my Lord, I thought we had more here today and blah, blah, blah. And one day I was just so whipped with all of that until I just took it down and put it in the closet and I suppose that's where it is to this day. (laughs) Because numbers, just like numbers, can lift you up. They can bring you down. And, And so we can't get relegated to that. My point is simple, that that should not be what we're after to begin with. I made a focus a long time ago Then I thought and think that this is so imperative that when we come together to have church, it doesn't matter to me if it's Sunday or Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or whenever, but when we come together to have church, let's have great church. With whoever's here. Amen. Let's just have great church. Amen. So if the house is full or if if it's sparse, I just want to have good church. Let the spirit of just like tonight, and we've got a great crowd, but we've got a great spirit here tonight. And so to me, if we can just see, if we can just let the spirit of God move in our midst, that's what matters. That's what matters because I believe that a healthy church will grow. And so I want to focus on the quality of what we're doing. 
Not just any old thing will do. Not just any old way will work. Let's do it as good as we possibly can. And if we'll worry about the quality of what we're offering God, then God said he would add to the church. Now, I, I, I don't, please don't take me as sounding cavalier in what I'm about to say, but I found out a long time ago that people come and people go. And it feels good when they come and it hurts when they leave. But if you allow that to be the barometer of your life, then you have just hooked your wagon to a yo-yo. And one day you're going to be high, but hang on, because the next day you're going to be low. And so somewhere along the line, we have to realize that, that I'm going to stand. I'm just going to hitch my heart and my life to the purpose and the kingdom of God. I don't want the church to go down. Nobody wants that. But we're not in control of those things, not at all. I just truly believe that if we can have something on the table, when people walk through the door, they will return. Amen. I've said this, and I, at the risk of sounding very, very chauvinistic, I'm not a chauvinist, and I've got a good lady here on the front row that can prove that. And, uh, but I have said to her many, many times, there's just nothing, and this is going to sound chauvinistic, but there is just nothing that I enjoy any more than coming in at the end of the day and smelling supper cooking. Amen. That doesn't mean, I don't mean that because I got me a woman at home. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> but it just come home and you just smell. It, it doesn't even matter to me if it's a can of pork and beans. It doesn't matter to me. There's just something about that because it, it's, it's like somebody anticipated your arrival. Somebody thought about the fact that you were coming home. Amen. And so, uh, and so I, I, would, I would say to the church tonight that, that our responsibility is to have something on the table when the people come. Amen. I just want to turn that around spiritually now and just when people walk through the door, I hope they can smell it cooking in the foyer. <laughs> Somebody anticipated your arrival. Somebody thought about this service before 729. We anticipated this. And then God will take care of the increase. Frankly speaking, I realize that that thought process may not fit into the mold of the norm. I never claimed to be the best. But I just feel like that that's what God has given me. And so I feel in order to have true growth, that, and I'm talking about true growth as in longevity, that a person must have roots. We must be rooted and grounded in something. It must have roots that run deep and roots that can stand the test of time. The roots that I'm talking about are not going to grow in the lives of people that are here and there and bouncing all over the place. You're never going to get rooted in that kind of atmosphere. You can't keep pulling something up to check on how the roots are doing. You've got you to gotta, you gotta leave that alone and realize that the roots will take care of themselves if we leave that alone. I just feel in order to have growth that has longevity, you're going to have to have some stability. There must be some stability. I don't know, how, around 30 years or so ago, there was a, a pretty well-known building supply company that was headquartered in Central Florida where we lived at the time. As a matter of fact, I, I only know what I know really about that is, is because I have a, had a family member that worked there in uh, not really upper management but in some level of management. They had experienced some significant growth, started out centrally there and kind of began to spread out across Florida 
and uh, we're experiencing some what seemed like some significant growth. However, in time, there was some high-level management changes, and with those changes came a concerted effort to grow. And it just seemed like overnight that wherever you went, you saw these stores going up. Either a building was under construction or you could tell that you were riding past a building that had just recently opened. And it was so, it was so, it stood out so much that, that my wife and I commented about it all the time. It was like, wow, there's another store. Wow. Well, there's another store. And it just seemed like every little town and every little hamlet just had one of these stores popping up. You could hardly go anywhere and not find one. And that seemed exciting. And, and for many years, or at least a few years, it seemed to have all the trimmings of success. But in time, they went completely out of business because you just can't allow the limbs to outgrow the roots. Because if that happens, you will never be able to endure the storms. Amen. Sometimes the only way that you can develop those things are just to get back to the basics. Just where you got to, if you're going to get back on the road, you're probably going to have to figure out where you ran off the road and get back to that point and then begin to move forward. According to the book of Acts 1 and 1, the book of Acts is a record of all that Jesus began to do and teach and it is the Acts, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles, I don't believe in, in truth that it's a book that has an ending, but I believe it is ongoing. I believe the Acts of the Church are still being recorded today. And I, I mentioned a moment ago, I believe that if, if we could add, were to add chapters to it, not to exclude anybody from that, but if we were to add chapters to that, we would, we would recognize those names. We would have probably been in the presence of some of those people. I realize that the word of God contains many miracles and many miraculous moments. However, if we could just narrow down the scope of the church to just the one central core of what moved the early church, what motivated the early church, I think it would be one single thing and that would be the demonstration of the spirit of God. Now, I, when I was talking about demonstration, I'm not just talking about flash and flare but I'm just talking about the demonstration of the power and the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, it was the power of the Spirit at work that set the church into motion. And, and if that's what it took to set the church in motion, that's what it's going to take to keep the church in motion. I've read differing accounts of as to how much time was taken to record the book of Acts. Most suppose that the book of Acts is a culmination of about 30 years while some suppose it to be much more than that, I'll just use 30 or at least just say this. We know that it was several decades. Amen. One thing is for sure that it was not a record of just the amount of time it takes you to read the book of Acts. If you sit down and read the book of Acts like you're reading a novel, it would appear that a miracle is happening every three or four minutes. We just feel like just every, every moment that something is going on when in reality this is a record of several decades. Now, I, I know that I've taken quite a while here tonight to lay a little groundwork for what I really want to speak about this evening and, and next Wednesday night, if the Lord permits. Amen. And that is the contents of Acts chapter 27 and 28. This is Paul's final journey to Rome. 
which was the will of God for his life. And I think that's what we must understand. That the journey and the road that Paul was on was the will of God, the absolute will of God for his life. I can't quite seem to get away from last Wednesday night service and message. I know I mentioned it Sunday and now I'm talking about it again, but it, it ministered to me in a very significant way. I'm certainly not trying to make a superstar out of Brother Jerry. He was just a willing vessel that the Lord used. And uh, I know this much. It, it, you can get inflated, but you can get deflated a whole lot quicker. In his message, Brother Jerry Herndon mentioned, especially toward the end, he talked about holding on. Now, that just seems pretty simplistic, and if you're not careful, it can almost seem like you're candy-coating something, but just holding on. Holding on even when it seems helpless. I've envisioned several times since last Wednesday night that little piece of that orange belt that he spoke about, just holding on, just holding on. And so in order to sort of reconnect to last Wednesday and make my point more clear here this evening, I want to digress just a little and remind us of something that the Lord spoke to the Apostle Paul. Now, we remember him and we find him in a lonely prison cell in Jerusalem. And I have no doubt in my mind because Paul, while he was a great man and highly and mightily used of God, Paul was a human being. He was a man, flesh, just like you and I that are in this building tonight. And so I have no doubt or I have no struggle to believe that there were even times in these seasons that Paul was discouraged. I think that would be a safe thing to say. Amen. We've all moved in the right direction even when we were discouraged. Paul wrote some very uplifting letters in the middle of traumatic storms in his life. Amen. At a bare minimum, I think that it's fair to say for the Apostle Paul, things weren't going all that well. He was in a dark place. And it was at that moment in his life that Jesus spoke to him. And, and I want you to read this scripture with me. They'll put it on the screen. Acts 23 and 11. This is what the scripture said. And, and the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem. Now watch this. So must thou bear witness also at Rome. So, Paul, you're going to Rome. <laughs> Just like you are a witness to me in Jerusalem, you're going to be a witness to me in Rome. Now, that the Lord stood by him and told him that night. He, like Joseph of old, had no idea of all of the obstacles that was going to stand between he and Rome, but he had a promise from the Lord that you're going to Rome. It is my will for you to go to Rome. Paul had received this word from the Lord and now as you continue to read from chapter 23 forward, you'll find Paul appeared later uh, before Felix who was ultimately replaced by Festus and then you remember that he spoke next to Agrippa. However, in the process of all of this, if you're not careful, you'll read past it and that is chapter 25 and verse 11 where Paul exercises his right as a citizen of Rome to appear before Caesar. Amen. Now this was a little legal loophole, so to speak, but in the process of, of all that Paul was going through, one person not wanting to deal with it and trying to push it off on somebody else, Paul realized, I'm not going to get anywhere at the rate that we're going now, and so I want to exercise my right to appeal before Caesar, to appear before Caesar. 
And so that was, that's interesting to me. Consequently, they, the law, the legal minds of that day had no choice but to send him to Rome. And so he was put in a ship under the, under the direction of the Roman centurion along with a band of other soldiers and they set sail. Now I want to pause right here for just a moment, remind you of the scripture that I, I read in the 11th verse that the Lord stood by Paul and said, now you're going to Rome. You've got to do this. You were with me in Jerusalem or a witness of me in Jerusalem and you're going to bear witness of me in, in Rome. I want to slow down here tonight with great intention to say that, that as Paul was on his way to fulfill the perfect will of God in his life, he encountered a storm. This was not Paul's idea. This was not some dream or wish of a teenager finally coming to fruition in his adulthood. But the Lord stood by him and said, this is what's going to happen. And so, you know, in our minds, we kind of think that if the Lord were to stand by us and tell us this is what I'm going to make of you, we just kind of feel like the next move is that God is just going to transition us right over there and voila, there we're going to be. But there's a lot of people here tonight that are already shaking your head and you realize it's just not how it works. That's not quite how it unfolds. If you know anything at all about the last two chapters of Acts, you know where I'm going. Sometimes we may think that when we're in the will of God that it's just going to be smooth sailing and there will not be any interruptions at all. But many times I have found quite the opposite to be true. Oftentimes we are faced with obstacles in our path and, and storms that are ultimately designed to do nothing more than just take us off course. But we can never lose sight of the fact that the devil is always out to circumvent the will of God in our lives. He's always trying to figure out a way to clog up the path for God to bring something to life in our heart. I want to pause again and, and take just a moment to say something that I feel may be pretty pastoral. I realize that I'm not speaking to our entire congregation tonight and maybe while some were unable to attend this evening, they may buy the CD or listen later online. But I just want to share something with you by way of observation through the years. This is what I have observed about the local church through the years. And that is that when God is about to take the church to another level, when there is a surge forward, now I say this with great fear, I, I mean this in my heart, that any time there is a great surge, I feel in my heart that God is about to take us forward another step. As a pastor, there is always almost a sense of dread that comes with that. I hope I can explain my heart to you. Because I have watched many times as God took the church forward that there were some that got left behind. Almost invariably. Because they were sort of just playing church. It was just on the peripheral edge of church. And something wasn't really settled in their heart. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying. Amen. I, I say it with fear, but it needs to be said. And so I say tonight, don't allow the enemy to, to take you out during a time when God is trying to give birth to something in your life. And so we gotta be very, very sensitive that when the Spirit of God is trying to pull us collectively forward, I wanna stay connected to that. I wanna stay connected to that and let God give birth to that that's in our heart and in our lives. 
And so if you're seeking to obey the Lord, then you have got to expect some opposition and, and some obstacles and even some difficulties. And I know this is not a popular message because we're in that hour of just name it and claim it and you don't have to be sick and you don't have to be broke either. Amen. And so I'm thankful that I'm speaking tonight to healthy and wealthy people. <laughs> But here's what I also can expect. I can expect obstacles. I can expect some difficulties. I can expect some opposition. I can expect that. But I'll tell you what I can also do as a blood-bought child of God who has had the Lord stand by me in the night. I can expect God to see me through. Amen. An angel. The Lord has stood with me. And so there may be opposition and there may be difficulties and there may be some uh-ohs and there may be some unforeseen things, but I think that if God would want me to wake up with an expectation of that, now I'm not talking about negative things, but I'm just telling you that I don't think the Lord wants us to be ignorant of, the, of Satan's devices either. And so while I would wake up with an expectation of that so that I would not be taken off guard, I would also say I'm expecting for the Lord to stand by me and the Lord to carry me through and the Lord to be with me through this storm. As you can see in Acts 27, there wasn't an obstacle large enough to stop what God was doing in Paul's life. Now, he got very uncomfortable and it was hindered along the way, but it was not stopped. He always seemed to rise above the circumstances. And so this evening, just out of respect to your time and our ability to receive too much, I'm going to just kind of come in for a landing so much so I'm going to ask our musicians to come on and come to the front. But one thing I would point out to you is this, that as Paul went through this storm, he knew that God had shown him what to do. And he allowed nothing to dissuade what God had promised. I'm not through preaching. They're just coming to the front, so stay with me now. Paul had warned them, don't take this route. Paul had even said, we may not even should set sail. But they ignored his advice, took anyway, and now they're in great trouble. So much so that they thought the ship was going to break apart. And with that, I want to pick up Acts 27 and 21. I'm going to read a few verses here tonight, so just stay along for the ride. Acts 27 and 21. I think it's careful how we start here. Because the scripture says, but after long abstinence. Now the word abstinence here means self-restraint. And so this was not Paul being arrogant. This is not Paul jumping up on the fence to crow because now they're in a mess. No, no, no. With great self-restraint, Paul stood now and spoke forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. This is not Paul beating his chest. Please understand that. But he said, you should have hearkened to me and, and you should not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now this is what a guy is saying in the midst of a mess. Be of good cheer. 
For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. We're going to lose some things, but we're not going to lose any life. You see, we want to go through life and not lose anything. But Paul told them right up front, you're going to come out of this with your life. You may not have much else. You can be seated. Please, please stop running when I'm trying to preach. But you're, you're not going to lose your life. We're going to lose the ship. Now that was not good news because they're in the middle of the water. Well, what are we going to do? You're not filling in near enough blanks for me here, sir. But he said, for there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am <laughs> and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul, Thou must be brought before Caesar. Don't forget what I told you. You're going to Rome. You're going to Rome. And lo, God had given thee all them that sail with thee. I'm not going to just take you, but I'm extending my invitation to all that are on board. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, and it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must cast upon a certain island. But when the 14th night was come, <laughs> the 14th night was come. We want all this to just kind of... But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria about the midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew nearer to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they were gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then less then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for day and as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down their boat into the sea under the color as though they would have cast anchors out of the fore ship Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers except you abide in the ship you cannot be saved now wait a minute Paul you just got through saying the last time we gave you the microphone <laughs> that no life was going to be lost but the ship is going to be lost and now you're saying stay with the ship and if you don't stay with the ship you're going, you're going to not be saved then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off now you, I may be assuming way too much tonight but we do know how this story ends it's interesting to note that when Paul first warned them they didn't have time to listen <laughs> But when it looked like they weren't going to make it, all of a sudden he was the man of the hour. And I'm glad Paul did not take advantage of that in his spirit. And I think that's why the, the Bible is careful to point out that he used self-restraint and just spoke words of wisdom, words from God. Now we know, <clears throat> I believe that Paul knew that the storm was coming. He knew something that they did not know. He sensed something that even skilled mariners could not figure out. And I believe that as born-again children of God that we know things that non-believers don't know. Or at least we should. Let me insert that. We know that a storm is coming. This world cannot continue to go in the direction that it's going. Amen. It just cannot continue to go in the direction that it's going. And so 
with our hand upon the cross of Calvary and hopefully like John with our ear against the bosom of Christ we see changes happening in our world and we all understand that this is just shaping up for the Lord's return it seems like we're in a time of dramatic and rapid change I think we could collectively agree to that some people may think that that, that somehow or another all this is going to work and there's going to be great world peace and everybody's just going to hold hands and sing kumbaya. But according to scripture, it just isn't so. We know that judgment is ultimately coming and we, we are here night and day to warn people about that. Paul knew the storm was coming and he warned the people and said in verse 25, take heart. They could have thought, how can we take heart? How can we gather ourselves together? Everything is about to fall apart and it looks like that we're going to die but Paul's confidence and hope was built on the word of God. Amen. And that word of God as we stand, at that word of God is what holds us. Why are we still standing in the storm? It's not because of our past name. I'll assure you of that. It's not because of the clothes you're wearing, the car you're driving, the house you're living in. No, no, no. If we're still standing when the storm is over, it's going to be because the spirit and the power and the hand of God has held us. And if the hand of God has held us, then it's going to mean that we are in relationship with that God. Because Paul said, this is my God whom I serve. I don't just worship him. I don't just praise him when everything's all right, but I serve him. I serve him. I've served him. He could have, Brother Rayleigh pulled up the cuffs of his shirts, Brother Toby, and said, I've served him in prison. I got these calluses writing such and such letter I got this writing over here you see this scar this brokenness it's a God I serve and so if we're still standing in the storm I believe that we're going to have to embrace some principles that that Paul embraced and so for the sake of time I'm just going to land here this evening and we'll pick this back up but I believe there's some things that are going to be required of us if we're going to stand if we're going to still be standing and I'm going to tell you something. I'm encouraged this evening. I'm encouraged by the youth of the apostolic church in this hour. I'm encouraged by that. I really am. I'm encouraged by the response of the youth of this church to the spirit and the presence of God. I'm encouraged by the young people that are always attentive during church. And they're quick to respond in prayer and praise and worship. That encourages me. I'm encouraged by the middle-agers who are still holding on. And I'm encouraged by those silver hairs that have been walking through church doors for decades who have not given up and they have not given in. They just keep standing. Are they here tonight because they had nothing better to do? No, no, no. Are they here tonight because church has just become a social thing? No. They're here tonight because they figured out how to stand 
in the storm. Amen. They figured out a long time ago that you're going to have to do more than sing about it. You're going to have to do more than just read about it. Somewhere you're going to have to apply this balm to your life. And you're going to have to walk through the pain. And you're going to have to walk through the crisis. <laughs> Amen. I wonder if you just make an altar where you're standing. Would you let the Spirit of God touch us this evening in a special way? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.